Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your High School Sports Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? High school football season is right around the corner. Friday night is week zero, and who better to talk with than Daily News writer, writer Tarek Fatal about the upcoming season. Tarek, thanks for joining me here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Football, man. People get so excited. School starts. Football teams put the pads on. There's that anticipation in the air. Teams aren't going to be hitting each other very much anymore. There's just that that just kind of spring in everybody's step. You've been around a lot of schools the last couple weeks. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always an anticipation for football, uh, especially with the long summer. It's like, okay, preseason coverage needs to happen. That's, you know, that's for me in particular. But when you get around to these practices, because I'll go and visit various teams. I've visited about almost 20 practices uh, this these last two weeks alone. And absolutely, there's excitement. You've got parents and other administrators, you know, uh, up in the stands watching practice. Um, kids are competing. There's quarterback battles. There's wide receiver battles. There's linebacking battles. You know, sometimes you might get out there in, in the sweltering heat and they might not have pads on uh, just to keep things a little safer, but uh, they're still battling. And whatever competition it is, there's always battles. And it just lets you know, okay, it's football season. And, and what a great thing. And we always look forward to our first broadcast of the year. And then in the blink of an eye, it's over. And we're going to be at Sierra Canyon is going to be at Westlake on Friday night. But there are some other good matchups that are going on. But first, I want to talk some coaches. We've got some new coaches out there and some veteran coaches out there. Kevin Rooney, one of my favorites of all time, his 40th year at Notre Dame, Mike Harrington has been at Hart High School a long time. Jim Benkert is now at Simi Valley. Ed Croson is still is still coaching. He's at Chaminade. John Ellinghouse, Tim Kirksey. We've got a lot of really, really talented coaches out there. What have you been hearing from them about their teams this year? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Rooney is the prime example. He's been around for 40 years and with only one school, which is outstanding. And it's funny, at, at Mission League Media Day, we were able to find things that were still new to him. You'd think a guy like that, there's nothing he hasn't seen under the sun in regards to high school football. And lo and behold, every year there's something new that he experiences. Like last year, Bishop Amont and Notre Dame football, it took two days to complete. They started on a Friday night, lightning and thunder. They had to postpone, 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 bam, had to cancel the game till, well, not cancel it, but postpone it even further till Saturday afternoon. They came back Saturday afternoon and played the rest of the game. That was a first for Kevin Rooney in his 40 years. And then Mission League, Media Day, that was a first. So despite his being around for so long, there are always things that are new, the transfers, the social media, you know, and that's where I give kudos to a guy like Banker, Kirksey, 
Ellinghouse. I mean, you named them both Harrington's Dean and Mike. Um, they're all around and have seen everything yet. They have the ability to adapt. And that is so important because yes, you have your ways and you have your guidelines as a coach, but you have to be able to bend a little bit with things nowadays. And uh, maybe we'll touch on that. Maybe we won't, but just with the transfers and social media and how you have to just be different. Um, you can still have your, your values, but you have to be able to adapt. And I think that's why they're still successful, you know, 30, 40 years later. Yeah, let's go back to when Kevin Rooney started. You would take, you know, eight millimeter reel-to-reel film. You film on Friday, you send it out. It's got to get what's called developed. <laughs> and then you get it on Saturday. Now these guys have iPads and TVs and all this technology on the sidelines. It's instant teaching. And I think that's where the game has really advanced because I can show a young man, this is what you did wrong. You can see it and now you can go correct it. Absolutely. I've been to, like I said, almost 20 practices these last couple of weeks getting ready for preseason. I've probably seen at least a dozen drones, Tony. That's the thing. They, they have these drones. They'll have a student manager at practice uh, on the sidelines and they record all their stuff from a drone in the air during practice. And so I don't think that's allowed during a game. I think we usually see those really tall kind of poles with the cameras on top on the each event each end zone. That's how they do the game film. But in practice, they're filming too and breaking down film from practice. And you like, you hit it on the head, you know, technology gives the ability to have a teaching moment instantaneously and teaching moments for coaches are really important. Instead of maybe pulling a kid aside and going, okay, do you know what you just did there? The kid might have not a clue what you're saying. Instead, you actually can kind of just not even worry about it note it for later, you pull the kid into your office that afternoon and go, hey, look, this is what you were doing. This is what I need you to do. And it lessens the learning curve. It makes kids better quicker. And uh, there's no doubt that it's making a huge impact on high school sports. I, I think it's great. It's, it, it's expensive. And there are some schools that can afford it and some don't. But it's just the way that everything is going. Now, you mentioned the Mission League and the Media Day, and now where we are going, the Trinity League had a uh, uh, Media Day. Let's talk Mission League real quick, or not. We, we could spend all day talking. Bishop Amat, the defending champ, always loaded. Alamany's looking to unseat them, got a great QB. They had a scrimmage the other night against a team, I believe, from Utah, and Miller Moss just looked fantastic. Notre Dame is always very good. Guys like Christian Grubb leading the way. How good is the Mission League? And can they stand up with and go toe-to-toe with the Trinity League? Yeah, that's a great question. I think every year we wonder if that's possible. And, you know, I'm going to say no. You know, as much as I cover the Mission League and um, I want the Mission League, to be honest, to, to do well and close that gap, I think when you talk about Bosco, Centennial, and Modern Day, it's a different level. And uh, I think Mission League knows that. And I'm not saying they can't compete, but if they were to play 10 times, I don't know, maybe the Mission League team wins once or twice. And that's just the truth. Um, And that's not a knock on the Mission League. It's just a different level for the Trinity League. But in regards to the Mission League and what it's going to be like this year, there are great teams 
in the league and really talented teams. And every team's kind of got their own sauce a little bit. You know, Alemany's going to air it out. Miller Moss, that game this past Friday, I was there. I mean, the timing with his receivers, the crispness of his throws. I mean, very, very precise poise quarterback. So that's Alemany. Notre Dame loves to run the ball. Their, Their quarterback, Cooper Meek, can throw it but can also run it. Grubb is gone, but they got two running backs, um, Anthony Spearman and uh, Johnson, WG, uh, WD Johnson. Um, he's amazing too. So they're going to run it. And then Amont, Amont is always, they, they have athletes, they, they, they're up-tempo, they, they kind of bring their hard hat and lunch pail every week. And then Sarah, Sarah Gardena, always has athletes. That's where um, Adoree Jackson went, right? And so we always kind of see the next Adoree Jackson, if you will. And so we're going to see some great uh, defensive coverages. We're going to see some great wide receivers out of Sarah. So every week you're going to have great matchups. Um, The unfortunate part about the Mission League is there's two teams that are probably going to kind of bring up the rear this year, and that's going to be Loyola and Chaminade. And it's unfortunate to see that, but uh, in a matter of time, those teams will be up and competing with the big dogs soon enough. And Chaminade is, well, let's talk Loyola. Since Steve Grady left, it seems like they've been kind of struggling year in and year out. They're trying to find that formula with a coach. And Chaminade, Ed Croson always does a great job. But when you lose the amount of talent that they lost, I think you're right. It's going to be a struggle. He's still a great coach. They still have some talent there. But that is a very tough league. Yeah. As far as the leagues go, Division One and Division Two is a little right. bit different this year. There are 24 schools in Division One, Division Two. Everybody is guaranteed a playoff spot. But the eight top teams from a formula that the CIF is going to use in that division will go to the Division One playoffs. The other 16 will go into the Division Two playoffs. What have you been hearing from coaches? I know Bruce Rollinson doesn't like it because everybody's in the playoffs immediately or automatically. What have you been hearing from people? That was the joke at Mission League, um, Mission League Media Day. All teams except Loyola are in the playoffs. So uh, actually, Eric Sondheimer from the LA Times, he was joking, you know, asking the coaches, well, what's going to be your what's going to be your motivator at halftime? What's going to be your motivator before a game? Because every team is in the playoffs. And actually he asked Ed Croson and Ed Croson said, oh, trust me, we'll find something to play for. And I loved that answer. But the point is, is you're absolutely right. All these teams, they're in. They are guaranteed one postseason game. Doesn't matter how many games they win or lose. And uh, that might take the edge off a little bit. But um, I guess the next goal would to be, okay, now we want to try and get a home game or, you know, we want to try and make sure that we have a good matchup, you know, in the playoffs or what have you. So there's other things to play for. I think the coaches aren't exactly um, upset about it, actually. Uh, Rooney likes it. Rooney likes that at the end of the year, we will know which teams are the best and then we align them accordingly. And I don't think that's a, a heinous thing to think. I think that's pretty, that's kind of how it goes in every other like professional league for the most part. You know, you play and then the playoffs and the alignment happens at the end because it's depending on the kind of uh, season you put together. So before saying, okay, you're a Division One team and then you playing for that and getting in division one, you could have a two win season, but you're a division one team. Wait, what? So I think having to earn it 
by way of your season and then getting aligned uh, accordingly is really smart, actually. And I think people are going to like it. I like it as well. And I, you know, I'm thinking, but there's only eight teams in Division One, but you need four weeks of playoffs. What are they going to do? They're, I believe they're just going to get a bye week that first week of the playoffs. Right. So the city section does something similar. Their open division, they, it, it kind of, it's, I can imagine some coaches are going to like it and some won't. You know, I'm of the opinion, if I were a coach, I like to compete. I, I like to be playing games, right? You want to be doing stuff. So uh, to your point, yes, what's going to happen is every other division will start, but the open division will start probably a week later. That's how the city section does it. So all those city section divisions will start uh, one week and it'll all those open division teams that have earned a berth, they start the next week. So all those other divisions are starting, I guess, what would be their quarterfinal games. Yeah. Um, the open division will be starting their first round games. And so the reason why I bring up the competitive aspect of it is because some coaches don't like that whole week off. That's, hey, man, I've been playing game after games every week, and then now i got to take a, wait, a, a week off. Now, a coach might say that's great because now I can really focus on getting making sure my team's healthy, but sometimes you lose that competitive edge. Even earlier in the podcast, you talked about how kids aren't really, you know, you want to be careful with how much you're hitting each other in practice, right? So you want to be able to dial back any injury um, possibilities, but stay competitive. It, it, it's really a hard thing for coaches when you got a week off and you're not playing a game and then the, the game you come back to play is a playoff game. I mean, that that is a challenge. So I think there's going to be coaches that somewhat have a problem with that aspect. But in regards to um, aligning yourself or getting aligned, I should say, in Division One or Two, I'm pretty sure most coaches like it. And I, we can look at that Division One and Two, and there are going to be some incredible playoff matchups in that Division Two grouping, you look at some of those teams, Long Beach Poly, Sierra Canyon, San Clemente, Rancho Cucamonga, Sarah Upland. You know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see how it works. You know, with the whole break, there are a lot of teams that play a zero week, and they do get a bye week during the season. So it's not like it's something that's so new. They're used to it already. Yeah, I mean, there's some elements of that. Sure, of course. I mean, everyone has a bye week. That's correct. But – when it comes to playoffs, man, I just think sometimes that time off, you know, Tony, what if you're a team that was rolling at the end of the season, right? And you got a, a nice three-game yeah. winning streak rolling, and then it's like, okay, now you got now you have a week off, you know? So there are going to be elements. It could work the other way around. Maybe you kind of stumbled in latter part of the year, and the extra week can turn things around. So it's good and bad. I'm, I'm not saying it's just bad. Um, it, it's just going to depend on how a team is feeling and what they're doing towards the end of the year. And the good thing with the CIF is, and I spoke with Rob Weigott on my first two podcasts, they're constantly evaluating this. This is not something that is set in stone. They're going to look at it and evaluate it and reevaluate it to see what's going to be best for high school football. I like it. It's a start. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I did talk to Rob. I had a time with him Tuesday morning and um, we talked about competitive equity and stuff. And he even said, hey, if it comes down to a four-team playoff in the Division One, then and that's what it is, then that's what it is because he believes that their system could um, make an apparent cut between, okay, these four teams are on a different level and those four teams need to compete with themselves. And then the next session of teams and the next session of teams. So I, you know, it all sounds good and 
I think it seems to be working that, you know, hey, you're competing at the level you should be against teams you should be. And I don't see a problem with that. I, I agree. I agree 100%. There's no reason that, you know, lower level teams stay in, in you know, the Marmani League or when Simi Valley and they were, when that league was all together, that if a team makes the playoffs and they're like a five and five and they're that third place team and they're in division three, they can't compete, but they can compete at a division five or six. I like the idea. Right. No, no doubt. I, I'm right there with you. The Marmani League, a, a juggernaut. I look at it and I think Westlake is in a slight rebuild. They lose a lot of guys. You lose to Gabriel Floyd. You know, you lose um, Heller. You, I, Seth Figgins transfers to Oregon this year. I think they're in a little bit of a rebuild. Newberry Park has a great quarterback. Beer up at Bonnie's a D1 guy. Oaks is looking to replace a lot of talent, but they have a lot of talent. And then there's Calabasas, whose schedule is just so ridiculously tough. I think that's the second best league behind the Trinity League right now. Would you agree? Uh, I wouldn't agree this year. Last year, no doubt about it. Oh, last year, Calabasas was pretty much the same team, loaded. Oaks Christian was absolutely loaded. Four and five-star recruits all over the place, including Kayvon Thibodeau, the number one recruit. Um, and then Westlake, yep, like you said, DeGabriel, Floyd, Heller, Figgins. I mean, the list goes on. And then Newbury Park didn't have the best year because their quarterback went down, but still a competitive team. And then St. Bonaventure. These aren't uh, like gimme programs. These are solid football programs. So I think last year, Marmani League. This year, I think the Mission League is better than the Marmani. Um, so I, I would go Trinity, Mission, Marmani. Um, Calabasas, in my opinion, is the team to beat in the Marmani League this year. You're absolutely 100% right about Oaks Christian. They have the talent. It's just unproven. They could very well be the the team to beat by the end of the year, uh, no doubt. It's just that last year we knew Josh Calvert, Zach Thibodeau, or excuse me, Zach Thibodeau, Zach Charbonnet, Kayvon Thibodeau, Ryan Frankie. I mean, the list just went on of really, really high-level guys. Calabasas has those high-level guys now. Um, they're going to struggle a little up front because they're not huge, but their skills, their skill players are off the charts, unreal crazy, all D1 high-level guys. So that, to me, is a separator uh, for the Marmani League is I think Calabasas, early on right now, having not played any games, I think they're the front for the front-runner to win the league. Yeah, and I, I saw them a couple years ago against Sierra Canyon. Sierra Canyon won that game at Calabasas, but you just saw it. You saw Jaden Casey, a quarterback. Uh, you know, you, you saw that wide receiver right. crew with Pittman and – Burton was there last year, and, and now I think they have the best wide receiver in the country. And I saw him make a catch last year against Upland over the middle, just reaches back, just grabs the ball, brings it in. I think they have the best one-two combination in our area up here. Maybe somebody down south modern day has got something a little bit better, but I think Calabasas is going to be loaded tough this year. Yeah, it's Johnny Wilson is the big kid. He's six, you know, six six, like two twenty five. Um, I think he's the top wide receiver in the country. And then Jermaine Burton, LSU commit, he's a speedster. Then they got this other kid. Uh, he's going to be a sophomore, um, Larry Gooden, uh, Turner Gooden, I believe. And um, 
he's special. He's going to be like, he's like freak athlete, you know? So he's only a sophomore. He's going to be good. And then they've got Jaden King, who's the running back that's going to Washington state. So it's like, and as we know, Jaden Casey has been around forever. Uh, he's going to Fresno state. So you got D one commits all over the field. Um, then they have LaShawn bell at end. He can pretty much go wherever he wants defensive end. Uh, Lamont Narcisse is a defensive back. That's one of the best in the areas. They're just loaded talent, speed, skill, Calabasas with flying colors where they might lose games is that size up front. Like I mentioned before. And that's where Bosco modern day Centennial mission. Most Trinity team. That's where they excel is skill guy. Yeah. We may be able to, you know, outdo you there. But at the end of the day, and I'm pretty old school, it comes down to can you run the football and can you play good defense? And you're right. I think that will hurt Calabasas. But who knows? Let's see where the chips fall. But I think they jump into that D1 playoff grouping, those eight teams. Yeah, it could be Calabasas. The team, uh, and maybe you were going to ask me this, so I'll jump ahead a little bit. But if it's not Calabasas or Oaks, it's going to be Sierra Canyon. Um Sierra Canyon, Tony, I went out to their practice. They are ginormous. I mean, last year they were in Division Three, won the Division Three CIF championship with good size. Josh Carlin is a tackle. Ben Lee, those guys left. Good size. Nothing crazy. Um, but they were, to, they were able to do that at Division Three level. Um, and they have great skill guys all coming back. A quarterback, a running back, multiple wide receivers, great DBs, the whole thing. Those guys are all coming back. I went to their practice. They have um, multiple 280, 290-pound linemen. They've got a kid named Michael Wooten. He is 6'7", 295-pound left tackle. they got a defensive tackle named Reggie Jones, 6'3", 290. Um, big, 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 big fellas. And it's, it's a reason why I appreciate John Ellinghouse, their head coach, so much because – He understands, it's just like, thank you. He understands if we want to compete at the Division I level, we have to measure ourselves accordingly because the Division I level is St. John Bosco. It is modern day. It is Corona Centennial. So it's not just a matter of making, getting a Division I playoff berth and saying, hey, we made it. It's like, no, 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 no. We want to get there and compete. Making it's not good enough. And so I think Sierra Canyon gets that. So they've totally added some beef up front. And um, boy, I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak into that Division One playoff at all. And then you look at their first four games. You're against Westlake, against Lawndale, Oaks Christian, and Valencia. They will be tested early. And you're right. You know, you lose Carlin, but you bring in Wooten, who's just the size of a condominium complex <laughs> now to protect you know, Peary's backside, which you need, and they will run the football. And, you know, I think they lost one of the best players, J.J. Hernandez, but J.D. Hernandez is back. D.J. Harvey, J.D. Sumlin, Hunter Williams, Kamari Ramsey, they are loaded all over the place. And Ellinghouse does such a great job with that team. They have one of the best coaching staffs around in my Yeah, House is – what a great guy. I, I I think he's a great coach, and he's this guy that's been with Sierra Canyon. He started the football program. I mean, I'm almost positive, could be wrong on this, they might have been eight-man for a couple years. 
Yeah. They were eight men. They were in what was called the There Omega you go. League. And then they jumped to 11 man, you know, and yeah, they've just, you know, I don't know, division a million, division not so a million. You know, they just continue to climb and climb and climb. And um, they've won a couple state titles along the way. And he's completely built the thing from the ground up. And that is no hyperbole, no exaggeration. And so um, that's why, you know, when you bring up earlier guys like Rooney and Harrington and now Ellinghouse, you know, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for them because I'm a media member and I have to stay objective, but you appreciate them because it's like, man, these are guys that are staying home and uh, just doing the best they can, teaching kids, developing kids. And that's what high school sports is all about. And the thing is, is that every single guy that you just mentioned is a quality person. And I also, as a media member, I love doing their games because I know that when I call them or text them, they're going to get back to me. They're going to be accessible. They're going to give me some good information. Whereas sometimes guys don't want to talk. And those guys, it's like, really? We're trying to highlight your program here. These guys are all very, very cooperative. And it's Work yeah, it is. And, you know, sometimes what, what ends up happening, and it's really a shame, is sometimes you reach out to coaches or you try and get them to help you out. And if they don't get back to you, you kind of have to do the speaking uh, on behalf of them uh, on your own. And and, and it's not, imp- and it's not uh, it wouldn't be a new thing to miss the mark on some things. And then, you know, when they get, you know, then they get upset with you and you're like, hey, man, well, you should have called me back or whatever the case may be. So those coaches also, it's not a matter of calling back, but they get it. They totally get it. And that's what makes them fun to work with. And another, another one that totally gets it is Larry Muir at yep. Valencia. They've dominated the Foothill League for the better part of the last decade. Will anybody challenge them this year? Hart's got a stud quarterback, Cal Commit, Zach Johnson. West Ranch has the third of the three right, Eden right. brothers there. You lose the Camachos. Can anybody in the Foothill League challenge? Yeah, I think the team? answer is no. Uh, and I hate to say that, but they just dominate. And the one thing I say about Valencia, it's been, I think this will be my third year in a row now with pretty much the same narrative, maybe only the second year. But I, I you know, I kind of get on Muir a little bit and uh, Rob Waters, their assistant coach. I, I get on those guys a little bit because, Tony, those guys have won the, the Foothill League 10 years in a row. Um, and I think at a certain point, you just got to ask yourself, okay, what are we trying to do here? Valencia is a top program. They are in that Division One slash 2 field. And it just seems to me like they're kind of, I don't want to say throwing the towel in, but I'm critical of that program every time they make their schedule because it's not good. They're playing like, D4 teams, D5 teams, D6 teams in their non-league schedule. Um, they're already guaranteed a playoff spot. They know that. Um, they're, they're opening up with Arcadia, and then they go play like Silverado. You know, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the, some of the guys that they're playing. Um, it, it's a little disappointing, and um, I, I, I'm critical of it because if you know you're going to dominate your league, that's where you can make up your wins. Go sharpen your tools. Go go play a Calabasas, which they did. I think I think they are. They might even play Calabasas this year, which is great. That's awesome. And I believe they also yeah, play so, Sierra Canyon. So well, they're, they're two okay. Really that's good two teams. teams. That's two. I ain't gonna get it done for me. We just talked about Oaks Christian, Calabasas, Sierra Canyon. Those guys are going. They're putting themselves through a gauntlet, and that's what's going to make you better. And that's what's going to give you a potential nod at the end of the year when the CIF committee is looking at where to place you 
they're going to look at the strength of schedule, and even some close losses may help you. Um, I don't think a win over a Division Five team helps a Division One two team. It does not help you. Um, and I. But the, the other thing on there, and no, I don't no, mean no. to cut you off, but if I'm playing, if I'm Valencia, and I don't have a lot of size, I don't have a lot of depth. If I go Calabasas, Sierra Canyon, the Notre Dame, um, Oaks Christian, here I'm. I'm getting beat up by the time I get to league then I'm injured and I may not get as high as a seating as I want. So I think there's a, a double totally disagree. to that. They've won 10 league championships in a row. They haven't lost a Foothill League game in like eight years. Totally disagree with you. They're going to run through their league. They do it every year. Oh, they will. They will. I think the only challenge they will have this year is Hart because I do believe that the Foothill League has been down the last several years. I don't think you see the quality of football. You see some teams with some individual players, but as far as, you know, those heart teams of the past where right. you had quarterbacks, right. receivers, linebackers, you're just not seeing. And maybe that has to do with the school expansion up here. Back then it was four schools. Now it's six. Now there you go. high school open. Now the yeah. seventh school. So now Talent is going to be spread very, very thin in three in a couple of years when Cal when Castile right has and, a and yeah and I don't you know I'm just a little bit I just think if you're of that level and by all means maybe Larry Muir is like you know what I'm totally cool being a D two team every year and that's fine too that's fine too and maybe that's what he thinks um, and there's nothing wrong with that um, I know like Jim Bonds over at St Francis I'm almost positive he loves being a D three football team. Uh, he's all about it, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So um, I'm critical. I think I'm fair in my criticism, but I also understand, you know, if that's not – if you don't want to go and – if you don't want to go and play against modern day in St. John Bosco, I, I get that too to a certain extent. Although last year they won the Foothill League, and who did they host in the first round of the playoffs last year, Tony? Modern day. Modern day, and what happened? Well, they got destroyed, but – Destroyed. Yeah. So, so, it, so my, my point is, is – one, if you want to compete against, if you want to be at that level, um, you got to sharpen up your non-league schedule. If you're not trying to compete at that level, then you just got to be satisfied with being a Division Two team. Period. And and I think that when you look at, and I talked to Robbie Waters that week when they got when they pulled Modern Day, he said, "We man, we are in trouble because physically they just yeah, can't up. stand up to that team." When you look at modern day's freshman right. offensive line, they all have 6'3", 285. Now, I don't think Valencia has had a kid 6'3", 285 in, since forever. <laughs> so, you know what? Maybe I am okay with being in Division Two. Maybe, you know, we want to play Division One, but we know in the back of our minds we really can't compete. Right, and that, that could be the thought process, and I get that too. Let's talk top teams. Let's, let's run down your top ten and the challenges each one faces. You know, who's got the best chance to win a CIF championship? Who's going to be your surprise team this year? I, I believe you're number 10, St. Francis. Jim Bonds does a great job over there. Uh, Kevin Armstead is back. Max Garrison is back in the backfield. Question mark is quarterback. Right. Um, we don't know. St. Francis is – I always give Jim Bonds, like almost every year, I kind of say the same thing about him. You know, they run a great program. And in regards to developing talent, I don't know if there's anyone – uh, better than Jim Bonds. He teaches technique. He teaches these guys to play hard. And 
So they're always competitive and they're always a good program. The guy, I forgot what the stat was, but some he's had like one losing season in the past like 10 years there or something. So um, the guy knows what he's doing and um, St. Francis will be a Division three contender. It's a very, very, very tough division. I believe Westlake's Division three team. Um, there's some other good Division three teams in there. Alamania. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. That Yeah, Alamania I think is probably the team to beat in that, in that division. So... Uh, but they'll be able to compete, man. And that's the, you're right. You know, um, their quarterback will be the question mark, but they have such a great offensive line and other skill players that he may be able to uh, mature uh, a little slower, which is a good thing. You know, you don't want your, you don't want to have to like expedite a, a maturation process for a quarterback. So I think he'll be able to take his time, which will benefit the uh, St. Francis. Yeah. Division three's got Grace Brethren, Edison, oh. Paraclete, yeah. uh, La Habra, Corona Santiago, Moore Park is in there. Corona Del Mar, there's another uh, Gabbers. The quarterback is is a stud. Lawndale is in that. That's that's a tough division. No doubt. Grace Brethren, you know, you lose Lontrell Diggs. um, You lose Stanley Tafu, but you return Sawan Toaya and running and Josh Henderson. Will they rely on throwing the ball more this year? Because they lose, you're all everything running back. Yeah, Longshaw Diggs are Offensive Player of the Year. I think he had something close to like 40 touchdowns, all rushing. Um, and so Mike Zeely is going to be their quarterback. He's been their quarterback since freshman year. He actually had a – I think he threw 22 touchdowns his freshman year, and then I think he only threw 11 this past year. But it's because they were so run heavy. And I don't think the program's complaining. They won their first ever state championship. So more power to them. But Josh Henderson, the coach, did tell me that they're going to throw the ball at least 15 to 20 times a game this year. So that's the plan. Um, So, yeah, you're going to have a team that's at least planning to be more versatile. That could make them more vulnerable. It could make them more dangerous. We'll see. But one thing I will say about Grace Brethren, that they have that a lot of Division III teams won't have, that some of those high-level D2, D1 teams have, and that's size. They have size on the defensive line and offensive line. So that's why they can run the ball so effectively. Yeah, you, you look at some of those guys and, you know, uh, Tav, Tavii, 300 pounds. Cesar Perez is 250 pounds. You, you look at that. And when I look at that, I always think maybe that's a little bit misleading because in high school kids, if they're that big, can they move? Can they get out and pull and get out in front on a slip screen, on a, on a pitch play, on a trap play? Can they get out and move and get ahead of the running back? Some guys can, some guys can't. We will see with Grace Breffin as they play Oaks Christian, I believe, in week two, week one. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun game. I I, I think it'll be really competitive, and uh, you know, I think I would say Oaks Christian's favored just because they're Oaks Christian. But Grace Brethren is so capable, and that's what will make it fun, is this little small school that's you know known for its football uh, has a chance at a big-time program like Oaks Christian. Yeah, your number eight team, I believe, Chaminade. We've talked a little bit about Chaminade and the, the challenges they have. Uh, they just lost a quarterback who just transferred to Oaks Christian. Uh, Westlake, obviously, is going to be in a rebuilding mode a little bit, but they do have a capable quarterback in Siderman. We talked Valencia. You've got to replace a quarterback again. In one of the biggest losses they're going to have to deal with is Ben Seymour. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, Kevin Rooney, 
I, they're always they're always a challenge. What do you see from each of those teams? Uh, Westlake uh, is is a little bit like a Oaks Christian in a way that they lost a lot of talent. They have some talent, but it's unproven. And not only is it unproven, it's not there's not a lot of experience there. So Kirksey's going to have to coach them up, and their schedule is pretty tough actually. So uh, Westlake might be in for it, but they might be in for it for the better, and that's what I can appreciate them. Four. So they're going to they're gonna take their lumps, but they're going to get better. And you're right, Siderman, their quarterback, uh, he's a stud. So they'll be okay. Uh, Valencia, we kind of already talked about. Yeah, Ben Seymour uh, was a big time. I want to say he was our Daily News Defensive Player of the Year. Not this past year, but the year prior. Um, and then he's been an all-area guy. So uh, he was pretty much their best player. When they played Notre Day, Ben Seymour was the only one that stood out for Valencia. It, it wasn't even close. The guy was in on every play, wreaking havoc breaking up running plays. Um, so they're going to miss him a lot, but I believe the new quarterback's name is Ryan Morrison. It's like a six, six kid, big arm, but once again, inexperienced. So we'll see how he steps in. I know he's got some, uh, like Jake Santos at running back. Hunter Koch, I believe is his name. Um, is like a go-to wide receiver, kind of like a Julian Edelman type. And, uh, so I think Valencia will be okay. And then you talked about Shamanad. Oh man. Ed Croson uh, is a great guy and a great coach, but I just they just don't have the athletes and the playmakers they used to. Um, there's a shortage of that. And I might dive into that a little more this season with a column or something like that. But, yeah, Tyler Voss was a sophomore quarterback going for the starting job, competing with a Narbonne transfer, Jalen Henderson. And, yeah, he kind of just skipped town and transferred to Oaks Christian, which Oaks Christian has like a stable of quarterbacks over there. So, I don't know what the plan is. Um, you know, kids seem to be jumping from team to team. You know that that seems to be the nature of the beast these days, um, and that's just the way it is. I don't like it, I, but it is the nature of the beast. Hey, you're not the starter. Compete. Get out there and compete. Don't run away because if you run away to a program like Oaks Christian, they're not going to go rolling out the red carpet for no. you and say, oh, oh, my God, you just came here from Chaminade. Well, you're the starter. No, you're going to have to work for your starting position at any of those schools. Yeah, and Oaks Christian even more so might be it, – it's like I think about it with basketball, like with Kentucky and Duke. It's like if you go there, you better be dang good, and you better be sure you're going to play because there's better guys, come better or as good players coming in right behind you. So, you know, for example, this is total hypothetical. Voss goes to Oaks. Okay, he's not going to play this. He's not going to start this year because it's going to be Jamison Wang from Harvard-Westlake. But let's say Wang gets hurt. Um, okay, let's say Wang gets hurt and Voss is the guy. Just because Voss got some playing time this year, doesn't mean it's his job to have next year. They could bring in some other kid, and then they're competing. So it's one of those schools where the talent's always arriving, and um, your spot's never guaranteed. And so, um, yeah, it's a shame for Chaminade. I, I think they're going to have a really, really tough year, really tough year. Yeah, but Ed, Ed is such a great guy. He's so much fun to deal with, um, and he's always got a positive attitude, and and he will bring out the best. I think that they will end up surprising someone someone down the road that they're not supposed to beat, and it will probably be in league. That's going to be my guess. You know, you round out your top four with, with Alamany. We talked about Sierra Canyon, Oaks, and, and Calabasas. Let's talk some of the players that in this area that we are blessed with getting to see week in and week out. And I love this quarterback class. 
you, you've got Casey at Calabasas, Johnson at Hart, Blake Sturgill at Moore Park, Gulbertson at Newbury Park, and the two juniors everybody's going to be watching, Moss and Peary. What a great group of quarterbacks that we have. Yeah, and then I'm going to add in another one, actually, a Paracletes quarterback, C.J. Montez. He's kind of got a little bit of a, a black mark on him, if you will, like an asterisk, just because he's hopped around from what he was like at Arcadia, then he was at Poly, then he was at Mirror. Um, those might even be wrong. There might be a fourth school in there. Um, you know, and now he's at Paraclete, and um, Dean Harrington is a great coach. And he deals well with quarterbacks, and he thinks CJ is going to be really, really special. So I got to throw CJ in there, and I think Paraclete is actually going to have a great year with Amir Bankhead and some other athletes they have out there. But in regards to the uh, some of the quarterbacks you just mentioned, Miller Moss, I mean, he is as advertised this week double zero game, which wasn't a scrimmage. That was a real game. They're one to know. They he had five touchdowns. He made it look easy. I mean, it was a no brainer. And then Peary. Peary is going to have an interesting season. And the reason I say that is because I'm not critical of him. He's a talented quarterback, but there seems to be a word out there that he's kind of maxed out on his ceiling, that um, he's going to camps. And I'll, I'll tell you this much. I'll, I'll kind of give you a little spice for your podcast here. He was at a camp. I got This is uh, from a really credible source and that is really, really great in recruiting and so on. Was at a quarterback camp, and he said Miller Moss – uh, compared to Shaden Peary, it was like night and day. Miller Moss is just so much crisper. His his in, his instincts when guys break the timing, the the spiral, the, everything about it. The mechanics were um, polished. Peary would throw behind wide receivers. He'd miss guys. Uh, some of his footwork is just I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a, like a halt in his development. Uh, I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. I have no idea. Maybe there's too many cooks in the kitchen for his coaching. He's a great kid, but just be prepared. There's a sophomore quarterback at Sierra Canyon named Amari Powell, and he's a dual threat guy that is very talented. And if Peary is not holding his weight, we could see Amari Powell at Sierra Canyon play and watch out. Uh, it, it could mean that he ends up taking the job away, but it is Peary's to lose. And then the last quarterback that I saw, uh, Zach Johnson, great leader. Uh, ben Gobronson over at Newbury Park, big arm. He just needs to stay healthy. And that's been the problem. That was the problem with Newbury Park last year as a quarterback. Wide receivers, I, I think we've got the best one in the country in Johnny Wilson. He's got everything to be successful at the next level. Who else jumps out at you that's going to be catching the ball this year? Yeah, obviously Jermaine Burton over, you know, LSU commit, Calabasas. Larry Gooden, Calabasas. And then we got uh, Bryce Farrell, Oaks Christian, super, super speedster, going to Stanford. There's a kid at Newbury Park named Chris Middleton. He's really talented. Obviously at Alamany, our offensive uh, player of the year. Excuse me. Excuse me, not the offensive player of the year. He was the freshman of the year for the Daily News last year, and that's Kevin Green Jr. Had a 40-yard touchdown catch on Friday night. Uh, absolute just make you miss in a phone booth kind of guy. Alamany's got some other quarterback, uh, other wide receivers, excuse me, that are really talented. Um, DJ Justice and a guy named Deontay Caldwell. Some names to keep an eye on for Alamany, and let me just think, I'm kind of looking at some of my, my top 10 guys. Okay, Grace Brethren has a kid named Nate Bennett. 
Um, definitely like a Division One scholarship wide receiver. What level, I don't know. But he's probably about 6'3", 200 pound uh, wide receiver. Wide receiver. Uh, and then I think that pretty much does it in regards to the top wide receivers in the area. Uh, running backs, obviously, you know, Jaden King at Calabasas, Jermaine Marshall, J.D. Sumlin at Sierra Canyon. I think the the biggest one that I'm looking forward to seeing how he performs is Amir Bankhead at Paraclete, just because from the injury and now he's coming back. Yeah, Bankhead is a great player. He, yeah, was our freshman of the year two years ago and scored all kinds of touchdowns and was really impressive for a freshman. And that's what was made him jump off the page. First game of the year last year, hurts his knee, sits out the whole year. So it's we want to expect great things, but it might take him a game or two. And if that's the case, that's okay. We just want to see healthy players. Amir Bankhead is a great running back. They also have a running back, Nick Wyatt, that plays a little slot. You've got Kevin Armstead over at St. Francis. And then the Notre Dame running backs. Uh, Anthony Spearman is a great running back. Sierra Canyon with uh, Sumlin is great. Oaks Christian, Mr. Williams, who also plays linebacker. Uh, Alamany has a kid named Floyd Co- uh, Chalk, who's only a sophomore, Floyd Chalk. And his uh, the other running back is a junior named Demario Strong. So these are some names that will definitely be ones to watch. Simi uh, Valley has a kid named Malik Hunt, who's kind of like a scat back, really quick, really fast, really speedy and explosive. Those are the names that I think of when I think about top running backs in the area. And last thing before I let you go, who is your surprise team this year? Who is going to be that team that jumps up, makes a run in the playoffs, ends up in your top 10? I will give you mine. And then you tell me if I'm on the right track, and then you give me yours. Simi Valley, as far as I'm concerned, has a legitimate shot to win a CIF championship. And for me, that's the Jim Benkert factor. No doubt. I, I love that pick. That's, uh, I agree with you. Um, I'm, I, I will piggyback that and say Simi Valley. I don't know how much of a surprise it will be just because he already turned it around last year, and now that he's got some momentum, we're kind of – oddly enough, expecting him to win. Now, I don't know about expecting him to win a championship, but I think we can both agree they're going to compete to do so. So uh, it'll be a surprise just because it's Simi Valley and they haven't done anything in their football history ever. So yes, in that retrospect, couldn't agree with you more, Tony. Um, I'm going to go a little bit, my answer is going to be a little bit, I'm going to toe the line a little here. I'm going to kind of answer it in two parts. One is, if any team from our area wins a division one playoff game, that will be a surprise. That's how good this division one field is. So uh, I I wrote up a column and talked about how if Calabasas, Oaks, Sierra Canyon, or even Notre Dame, if Notre Dame wins the mission league, they will probably earn a berth to division one playoffs. If either of those teams can get a playoff win, that would be, Almost history. There, I, 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 God, I'm okay. I'm gonna try and uh, go into the record books here. The last, the last local high school football team to win a top division championship. We know who it is. 1986 Crespi. That's how long it's been. Yep. The last team to make a final, also Crespi. I think it was 2000. 
might have been 2006, something like that. I might have butchered that, but they lost to Long Beach Poly in the final. At the Home Depot Center. That was a good team. That had, that had um, Joseph Fourier was on that team. EJ Woods was on that team. Uh, they had some talent on that team. And, and- so you remember it. Okay, so there you go. So in regards to any team even making a top division final, hasn't been done in over 10 years. We've had a couple teams win. Oaks Christian won a Division One playoff game last year. Awesome. A couple of years ago, Chaminade won one. So we have to, in a way, our area kind of has to break through the ceiling of being a contender every year. So that was that's kind of my answer. I know it's kind of a, not a, an answer you were looking for, but man, I'll take any team that wins a playoff a Division One playoff game as a surprise. And then the last one I will say, my the second part is Birmingham. And I know we haven't talked a lot of city section. But Birmingham will be an open division football team. And depending on what's going on with Narbonne, they very well could win the open division city championship, Birmingham out of Lake Balboa. Yeah, Narbonne's got transfer issues, I believe. Um, But Birmingham, I've been reading about them, and they are a team on the rise in the city section. That's exactly right. So they've got some athletes. They got a quarterback from Cathedral and – uh, named Jackson Dadich or Dadich, Dadich, um, who's good. And they got Mason White. He's a really good uh, athlete. And they've got other guys too. Anyway, so yeah, Birmingham's the team to watch in the city section, at least from our area. Fantastic. Well, Tarek, thank you for taking the time today to join me here on Believe. I look forward to seeing you out at games throughout the year. Where are you going to be Friday? Friday, I'm in between. I will either be at Westlake Sierra Canyon Chaminade Oaks, or I'll actually, I could very well be at Birmingham Harvard Westlake, which isn't a starlight game. However, Birmingham is unveiling its brand new stadium. It'll be the first game in their brand new stadium. So, kind of a community worthy thing to cover, uh, so to speak. I believe Chaminade Oaks will be a blowout. So, I don't think I'll be there. Now that I'm thinking about it and being candid with you, so it's going to be either Westlake Sierra or that Birmingham football game for the unveiling of the new stadium. Well, selfishly, I hope to see you out at Westlake <laughs> High School Friday night. I'll, Dave Caldwell and I will be there for Prep Zone, and then the next week we have Oaks and Grace Brethren, then we have Nordoff Moore Park, and then we get to go down and see St. John Bosco. So. I'm looking forward to a great year, and I'm looking forward to seeing you out there. Yeah, looking forward to it. If I don't see you this week, I will 100% be at Grace Brethren Oaks. Fantastic, Targ. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me, and take care. Thanks again. All right. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. If you have any suggestions for it, please shoot them my way, at Tony Moskal on Twitter. Please follow us on Believe Podcasts. If you have any suggestions, positive or negative, if you liked it, let me know. I'm open to anything and everything. Thank you for joining us here on Believe, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.